Good morning, gentlemen and ladies. <laughs> it's good that there's a lot of nice banter going on. Anyway, let's, let's pray and ask the Lord to bless us this morning. Father God, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. And we pray, Lord God, for your guidance this morning as we look into your word. Father, we pray for your undertaking that your people, Lord, would not see me, but would see uh, your mercy and your grace and uh, your wonderful provision of the Holy Spirit for each one of us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. I'll just make sure my Bible's in near. Okay, so now, um, I haven't been here for about four months now, five months, but anyway, um, we had the... Uh, we had the... Um, uh, the missions, the missions, missions month, and then we had Brother Peter, and that was a blessing, wasn't it? Uh, it was a, it was a great blessing to look at the Book of Jude. But now we're back on to, um, yes, sorry, did I say Peter? No, no, Adam. Thank you, thank you. Yes, that's right. And you passed. That's good. That's good. He was a good scholar, wasn't he? It was, it was a blessing. Okay, so uh, we, did, um, we did start a series. Now, this series we actually started a year and a half ago, and it's got quite a few aspects. So I'll just go through it just briefly, just so that we're back to speed. Our theme when we started this uh, at the start of last year was that God wants us to live by biblical realities, and by doing that we have a real impact on the world. Then we looked at uh, uh, some, uh, some uh, scripture, some epistles, and we found that some New Testament Christians were spiritually sleepwalking. So, uh, you know, they weren't, they weren't considering biblical realities. Then we looked at uh, some of these biblical realities, that God is the ultimate reality. We looked at uh, the fact that God is a person who relates to humans according to his holiness, not according to our abilities, but according to his holiness. And God provided redemption to a hopelessly lost and sinful humanity. And then we looked at the fact that Christ, our great high priest, intercedes at God's right hand for us. And what a blessing we found that to be. And then uh, the last topic which we're still on, uh, is, is the fact that the Holy Spirit empowers. And, we, and the theme was God gives us the Holy Spirit to empower us to live for him. And uh, we, we looked at, the, at um, various aspects of the Holy Spirit. We saw that he is a person. He indwells every believer. And he motivates. He motivates us because when we sin, we can grieve him. And that's a motivation for us to... Um, uh, to live a more godly life. He also motivates us because um, through him we glorify God. And in our, te- in our body, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit, uh, that, that can be used to glorify God. Well, it should be used. Then we, we defined the Holy Spirit. We looked at his personality. We looked at his office. We looked at his deity. And now we're looking at, his, at the special work, his special work, in the believer. 
and uh, various other themes we looked at at the time. God gives us the Holy Spirit to empower us to live for him. The Holy Spirit wants us to be devoted to God. And we looked at Romans chapter 12, that we present or yield our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. So we looked at that in some depth. And then uh, the last topic we looked at was that the Holy Spirit wants us to be dependent on him. And uh, the first verse we looked at was Galatians 5.16, that um, we should walk in the Spirit. And uh, we looked at that in some detail. Now the last one we've been looking at is Ephesians 5.18, to be filled with the Spirit. So we started to look at this verse before our four-month break. And um, a very interesting verse. And be not drunk with wine where is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit already lives within us. He's already there when we're saved. He indwells us immediately when when we trust Christ. So what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? So we started to look at the time, um, at the various uh, functions of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. And we looked at uh, various um, Bible characters where where it was mentioned that the Holy Spirit came upon someone in the Old Old Testament. We looked at all of that. We looked at... um, What we found was that when we looked at them in total, we found that some... Uh, acts of the Holy Spirit through some of these people, the Holy Spirit used ungodly people, which was a bit strange. We, we expected that God would use godly, fearing, uh, godly people, um, but we found that, in fact, some weren't. Like, for example, Balaam. The Bible tells us clearly that the Holy Spirit was moving him, but when we read about Balaam, we realize that he, he probably had dem- demonic power. And then we, we look at Samson, And uh, when we looked at Samson's life, we saw it was ungodly. And yet the Holy Spirit came upon him. So there was a bit of a a, um, uh, difference in that that function. Uh, Even even Gideon, for example, uh, who who was a godly man, but yet fearful. In fact, quite fearful. So uh, we, we looked at all of that and we looked at Saul, David's messengers. We assumed David's messengers were godly, but there was this difference. So the, Lord, the Holy Spirit came upon godly and ungodly people, which is kind of strange, isn't it? But anyway, that's, that's in uh, God's providence. So the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Spirit we found, yes Zoe? Yeah, it came and upon them. them. And leave them, that's correct. It came upon them for a temporary special purpose. Yeah, so it came upon them and left them. That's what the Bible tells us. But then we found that in the New Testament, the emphasis of the Holy Spirit changed. It didn't come upon them, the Bible tells us, the Holy Spirit filled them. And then when we look at the various characters, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ, the God, he's godly, and all the other people where the Bible tells us they were filled with the Holy Spirit, we believe are saved. They were, they were godly. And then um, there was a few more. 
Acts 13, 9, Acts 13, 52, the disciples, and Acts 6, 3. So they were all the um, occurrences of the Holy Spirit filling uh, the, the heroes of the Bible. And then uh, we decided to go into it a bit further and we looked at the, at the Greek word, we looked at the, what tense it was, we looked at the voice, we looked at the mood. So we looked at all of that with all of those uh, Bible characters. We had a look at, at that in quite some detail and we went through here as well. And then um, okay, we'll just we'll just stop there. So the reason we went through all these Bible characters is because we wanted to compare the way the Holy Spirit filled them with Ephesians five eighteen. So Ephesians five eighteen. Uh, open your Bibles to there if you haven't already, because we'll be there. A little bit. Let me go to Ephesians 5. Okay. So Ephesians 5.18, and we'll read from uh, verse 17. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is, and be not drunk with wine, where is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So we wanted to have a look what the difference was, if there was any difference. So the first thing we need to look at, and it's a pity I haven't, oh, there it is on the bottom, sorry. Uh, yeah, okay. Sorry about that. So what we found in the, um, in the New Testament with the apostles and the disciples, as we had looked, as we had looked at all of, these, all of these tenses, what we found was that the apostles and the disciples were actually... F- were filled with the Holy Spirit, that it was a description of what was already there. So it didn't, it wasn't necessarily that the Holy Spirit filled them for a special purpose. It appears from the tenses and the way that the word has been used in the New Testament that when it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit, it was a description of what was already there, not how it got there, which is which is the point we're going to go to now. So it's a description of, sorry, it's a description of their, uh, of their disposition, a, a person's like, a, a equivalent to a person's inherent qualities of mind and character. For example, he was an angry man or he was a happy man. So it, it's, uh, it's, that's the sort of description. So he was filled with the spirit. That, that's what we found that, that that was essentially telling us. So now we want to compare that with Ephesians 5.18. Be not drunk with wine where is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And I've got the, uh, uh, the Greek word there which we will be looking at now. So if we look, if we look at Ephesians 5.18, uh, we can look at some, some uh, overarching aspects of that verse to to get the meaning. So, be not drunk with wine. Uh, This is a contrast. So, rather than be drunk with wine, essentially, be drunk with the Holy Spirit. There's a contrast. Be not drunk with wine or be filled with Holy Spirit. That's a contrast. So, this this contrast with with, uh, being drunk 
and with wine. There are many repeated warnings in Scripture against drunkenness. But be filled in with the Spirit. So in most contrasts, there is some point of con- comparison, isn't there? And in this particular um, contrast, uh, the comparison would be something like this. A person intoxicated with wine acts in an unnatural manner that is evil. I think everyone would agree with that. But a person, uh, because he's controlled with the alcohol, but a person uh, filled with the Holy Spirit acts in an unnatural manner which is good because he is filled with the Spirit. So more examples of filling. For example, uh, in John 16, 6, uh, we have a description of a person who is filled with sorrow. And uh, so he's no, he's no longer under his own control, but in that, in that verse, he's totally in control of that sorrow because he's filled with sorrow. And the same is true for one who's filled with madness, and, and there's an example of that in Luke 6.11. And of course, uh, Acts 6.5 shows that someone is filled with faith, so they are controlled by, by that faith. Or, or Satan, as in Acts 5.3 where it talks about Ananias and Sapphira. Sapphira. So they were, they were under the control of Satan because they were, they were filled with him. So he's, he's, the person is no longer under their own control, but he's under the total control of that which dominates them. So Ananias and Sapphira were dominated by, by Satan. So being filled with the Holy Spirit detaches us from the desires, from the standards and aims and fears of this world. Now that is, that is a great thing, isn't it? Because those things can control us. But when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, it detaches us from all those things. So being filled with the Holy Spirit makes all else that is not God's will of secondary importance. So another, another thought on this comparison with alcohol you could get drunk many times in your life. And as we'll see in a little while in the tenses of the, um, of the Greek word, um, so in a similar context, you should be filled or in a filled state of the Holy Spirit many times in our life. So the contrast. Secondly, now let's see, I think I, this should be coming up. Oops. I know. Sorry. Okay. So secondly, who should be filled? According to the verse, who should be filled? Well, should it only be the pastor that's filled? No. The epistle is probably the epistle, uh, epistle to, the fee, to the Ephesians. Now there's some conjecture as whether or not it was written to the church at Ephesus, but certainly they were in view. Um, but the epistle is probably a circular letter, according to the commentators, to different churches in the area. So there was one particular one in view, which is Ephesus. But the fact that it was apparently a circular letter means that it is addressed and applicable to all the New Testament Christians. And in fact, the Greek grammar um, and context elaborates that meaning. Be filled. Now, there's, uh, 
be filled is, is, uh, is the word in the second person plural. And the second person plural means you, all of you. Every single, yes, ye, every single one of you. All of you without exception. Use, yes, that's right. So in context, of course, all Christians. So who should be filled? All Christians. Now who does the filling? Be not drunk with wine, where is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, I must have missed the slide, but anyway, let's have a look. Sorry. There should be a slide up there showing what... uh, Oh, no, there it is, sorry. There we go. That Greek word there, pleru, or, or pleru, it's denoted in the Strong's as 4137. Now that word, that word means to fill or fulfill or to make full. Um, but the point, the point here is that with, with each of these words in the Greek and, and in the English, but because we're talking about, because the Bible is written in Greek, we have to go to the Greek. There are three various um, uh, uh, facts about the word. And the first is the tense, whether it's past, present or future. The second is the voice, uh, which I'll explain in a minute. And the third is the mood. So within the Greek word, all of those, some of those three, or sometimes all of those three aspects come through. In this particular case, with this particular Greek word, pleru, um, it's in the um, passive voice. Now, the passive voice represents the subject as being the recipient of the action. So who does the filling, remember? So the, 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 um, uh, um, the voice of the word, and that's a term uh, that they use in, in literacy, the voice of the word is in the passive So that represents the subject being the recipient. For example, when I say the boy was the boy was hit by the ball, the boy receives the action. He didn't hit himself, he receives the action. So when the Bible tells us be filled with the Holy Spirit, it's saying someone else is going to do it. Someone outside of you is going to fill you. So thus so Yep, someone else is going to fill you. So, so it's not done by us in particular, though we'll see later that we have in fact the power to be filled or not, but I'm jumping the gun a bit there. So then fourthly, should we decide to be filled or should we decide not to be filled is more the question. Should we say, oh look, it's, it's too challenging to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't really want that. Um, well, when again we look at the at the Greek word, it's um, it's in the imperative mood. Remember the tense, the voice, and the mood. The Greek word is in the imperative mood, and the imperative mood corresponds to the English imperative, and expresses a command to the hearer to perform a certain action by order of the authority of the one commanding. So this is a command for us. 
It's not an option. It's like when, um, uh, when the Bible says, repent ye and believe the gospel in, Matthew, uh, in Mark 1.15. It's a command. Now, we can, we can refuse it, and many people do, and, but there are terrible consequences for that. But it is a command. It's an absolute command requiring full obedience on the part of the hearers. So it's the same here with, um, with uh, uh, to be filled with the Spirit. It's a command. God says be filled with the Spirit. Otherwise, there's, there's going to be some, some consequences that aren't so good. Just like if, uh, if you don't um, repent and believe the gospel, there's, there's some terrible consequences. So it's a command. Fifthly, how many times should we be filled? Now, we already looked at that. But um, just, to, just to see that, okay, I've missed the, I've missed the slide. Sorry. Um, if we go to to uh, Acts thirteen fifty two, um, let's let's go there quickly. Acts thirteen fifty two. Okay, Acts 13.52. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. If you go back a little bit further, you find that the disciples were just doing what they should be doing. For example, uh, verse 45. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was published throughout the region but the Jews stirred up the devout and honourable women and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coasts. But they shook off the dust off their, ha- their feet against them and came unto Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. So the disciples are just doing what they should be doing as Christ- Christians. They're witnessing and um, uh, uh, attempting to live a godly life. So the Bible tells us that they were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Now when we look at the, um, at the Greek word, the 4137, this uh, pleiru, which in fact comes from uh, the root word which is used with all the other disciples. That's what I was getting at before. So the, the root word to uh, filled... Is, is used many times in the Bible, as we've seen, uh, with John the Baptist, with this uh, root word 4130. Now, the root word is just the, the start, and then the ending gives us the tense and the mood and, and so forth. But it all comes from the same word. So, um, this one here, that root word, that, that word really comes from that, which was the root word for everybody, including Jesus. But uh, in this particular case, the, um, the ending changes, so we get a different Strong's number, and, and you can see the ending here. So that, that is now in the um, imperfect tense. Now, the imperfect tense uh, represents continued 
or repeated action in the past. So, be not drunk with wine. We're in his excess, but we're filled with the Spirit. Uh, it would appear that the, um, this should happen many times. And that's the meaning of the word. And especially when you look at uh, when you look at the same Greek word in Ephesians five eighteen. Again, it adds strength. It should should happen many times with us. So, okay. Yes. Are you saying that we, we get topped up? Yeah, well, it should. Not that we get the Holy Spirit repeatedly many times. No, no. The filling, the filling happens many times. And what we're going to do is look at how we make sure that that happens, because that's the point. Because the Holy Spirit's in here. Hmm. That's right. We haven't come yet to what the filling means, and it's okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll work through it. Now, this, the, the fact that the many times is supported by uh, at least uh, uh, several um, commentators. Keith Piper, for example, in his book Answers to be Filled, uh, says it, it, it indicates a continuous command to keep being filled with the Spirit. Now, the Greek interlinear... Um, that I have at home agrees with that, uses the same word. Um, the, the Wycliffe Bible commentary uh, has the same idea. It says that Ephesians 5.18 means to keep on being filled and keep on continuously being filled. So they say God speaks of an abiding reality. Yesterday's filling will not do for today. Now, just some comparison with the within dwelling and baptized in the Spirit, because we at, at salvation we're baptized in the Spirit. God comes to live with us, in, within us. Jesus, uh, the Holy Spirit comes to live within us. But according to uh, one of the commentators, and I think we'll agree with this, no believer is ever commanded to be indwelt by the Spirit. Uh, his indwelling is certain and permanent, as as we see in John chapter fourteen. Nor is a believer commanded to be baptised in the Spirit. This has already been done, as, as we see in various sections of the Bible. But believers are commanded to be filled with the Spirit. Hence, and this is the point, there is individual responsibility. There are conditions to be met if we are to experience the Spirit's control in our lives. And we'll look at that soon. So the filling of the Spirit is not confined to one experience or to any one point of time exclusively, but may be repeated many times. Now we know there's one baptism, um, but many fillings of the Spirit. The experience of the apostles in Acts suggests, um, according to and according to the commentators as well, and as we've seen, that that they were repeatedly filled with the Spirit. Acts uh, chapter 2 shows the apostles filled on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 4 shows them filled again uh, a few days later. However, we must bear in mind that the decision to be filled with the Holy Spirit, according to this verse, appears to show that the filling of the Holy Spirit is within our power. 
we can we can deny it if we want. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's right. We're going to get through that. That that's what we're going to go to. That's what we're going to get to. Have to set the groundwork first. Thanks, Zoe. So, okay. Now, one of the other commentators uh, says, sadly, all Christians are not filled with the Spirit. The fullness of the Spirit appears to have been the normal experience of the early Christians in the Bible and certainly the apostles. So what is this filling? Is it, what, is it as we know, filling? Well, the word is pleru, and it is. It's like water filling a glass. That's what the word means. It's like wind filling a sail and therefore carrying the ship along. So to, to be whole, it's like when the Bible tells us that the um, uh, Holy Spirit moved um, uh, the, the Bible writers into writing the Bible. The Holy Spirit moved them along, he, 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 like he filled their sails. So in summary, the Holy Spirit is very important. The Greek words indicate to us all Christians are to be filled. It's not an invitation. It's an absolute command. It's in the present tense, meaning keep on being filled moment by moment. And God does the filling. We don't actually do the filling ourselves. So now, has God left us a specific formula to follow? Let's have a look. What have I done here? I forgot to click it. Sorry about that. So here's a brief summary. Um, okay. Okay, there we go. So has God left us a specific formula to follow? Well, let's, let's start with the uh, first steps. Let's look at, the, uh, at uh, Ephesians chapter 5. And we'll look at the verses after it. So this would be the obvious thing to do, wouldn't it? it, would, it let, let, let's see what comes after it. So if we look at Ephesians chapter 5, 18... And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. Now what comes after it? Look at verse 12. Um, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Look at verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Excuse me. Look at 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Look at verse 25. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Uh, then look at... Um, then look at uh, 6.1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. 
then look at verse 4. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Verse 5, servants be obedient to, to them that are your masters. Uh, then verse 9, and ye masters, do the same unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master who is in heaven, neither is there any respect of persons with him. And then verse 11, put on the whole armour of God. And the rest of that tells you what those aspects of the armour is. Ah, so that's, that's the obvious place to look. Now, it would be true to say that one who is filled with the Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, would do all these things. That would be correct, wouldn't it? You would expect someone who was filled with the Holy Spirit to behave in this way. But is the converse true? So let's pick up an obvious example. Just because one sings spiritual songs, is one filled with the Holy Spirit? Is he? No. He might like the music. He might like the tune. Uh, just, because, um, just because a wife submits herself to her husband, does that mean she's filled with the Holy Spirit? No. She, she might do that for other reasons. She, she might be afraid of him. Uh, she might figure that's the easiest way. Or maybe she thinks, well, he loves me so much, I'll, I'll you know. I'll, I'll do this. Or, or just because a husband loves his wife, is he filled with the Holy Spirit? Not necessarily. He might love his wife for other reasons. He might love his wife because she really cares for him. So these are, there, there are several God, godly attributes and behaviours listed here. But of course, this is not exhaustive, is it? So there's not a formula here that says to us, you're going to be filled by the Holy Spirit if you do these things. That's not what that's saying. There are, there are many other things. For example, Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness and faith. So you need to fulfill that as well. If you're to say, well, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Or, or at least if you, if you try to decide yourself whether, you, whether you're filled or not. Then Ephesians 5.9, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. And then if there's even more challenging verses. Uh, Philippians 2.3, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. That's, that's very challenging. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ also. So there are lots of things that we would supposedly need to fulfill if we're looking for a formula. So one, and of course then there's James chapter 2 verse 8. If you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself, you do well. So that, that would be, you know, the epitomonia, uh, you know, the, 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 the apex of our Christian life, that we would love uh, each other as, as ourselves. So one could argue if you obeyed the royal law, which is which, with which the Bible says there's no greater commandment, then you are probably filled with the Holy Spirit. But no specific formula to ensure God fills us with the Holy Spirit is shown in the Bible. There's no instruction. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit doing 
X, Y, Z. The four or five commentary book writers I've written, uh, I've, I've written, I've read at home, uh, are putting forward their opinions, but they're based, you know, they're based on scriptural principles. So, for example, Wycliffe in his Bible commentary, um, which is written by various authors, uh, says that the exuberance of life that shows itself in rejoicing and continual thankful, thankfulness is an evidence of the filling of the Holy Spirit. Okay, it's, a, it's an evidence. We would agree if, um, if it's all done in truth, it could be a result of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And of course, it could be an evidence of the filling of the Holy Spirit. But I say, I say in truth because there are counterfeits. So even that, even that exuberance uh, can, can, can be a counterfeit. For example, the, the Toronto Blessing was a counterfeit. A lot of people were exuberant about the Holy Spirit and, and you know, one would say, well, you must be filled with the Holy Spirit, but it was, a, it was found to be a counterfeit. Mm-hmm. So there is no specific formula, you said, to, to be filled from the Holy Spirit. There is no aid those things which were received. That's right. Not in such clear terms. That's correct. That's correct. However, Not, yeah. I think one of the key elements, if we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, one of the key elements should be your will. Because you mentioned before, you, your will is, you, you need to have a desire. Yes. Uh, and you put your will. Mm. So I, I think in, in our Christian life mm. we have these moments when you when you choose, you, you said, you know, watch the TV or read the Bible. Yeah. I, I know what is mm. what is the mm. right answer. Yes. But it's it's up to me yes. if I want to read the Bible. Yep. And and this this is the moment um that I think we, we can feel or, or be top off of the Holy Spirit. Mm. The mm. Bible says, for example, uh, love your enemies. Mm. And I think you need a lot of, of the Holy Spirit in your life to, to do that. And Correct. To yes. Love yes. That's right. That's and right. This moment in life yeah. is when this the Holy Spirit controls your, your mm. life, mm. controls your emotion, controls yes. your, your will. Mm. But this is because you give this to the Holy Spirit. Mm, mm. So, yeah, I, I'm not sure if that is a formula, but there is a key moment. There is, in, there is. Is that will? Yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. When I say there's no formula, it's not specified. Now, I did have, um, why well, don't I have it here? Oh, I've got it here, sorry. Here we go. So, you see here, this is a formula for being saved. This is what I was comparing with. Um, Romans 10.9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So that, that's, that's a formula, isn't it? Uh, if you go to Ephesians 2.8, for by grace he is saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. And Acts 6.31, and they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. So the formula there is belief, faith, trust, request. So all I'm saying, it's not as clear in the Bible. We have to dig deeper. And, and I, was, I was wondering about that, why that might be the case. But, you know, when we're, before we're saved, 
Um, we, need, we need a simple formula to know what to do. But once we're saved, I think, it's only my opinion, we need to dig deeper and find what God wants for us. Uh, so, yeah, so there's, there's the formula. So from that formula, we would, we, would, uh, we would say, if someone says to us how, to be, how, to, how we saved, we would say to them, well, you admit your need, you admit your need you're a sinner. Um, be willing to turn from your sins, repent, believe that Jesus died for you on the cross and rose from the grave, and then through prayer ask God to forgive your sins through his blood. So there's the formula. So again, belief, faith, trust, request. Okay, yep. All right. Yes, Sally? explain that in the next session. Yes, we, so I was setting the groundwork. But thank you. This is very good. Excellent. So uh, let's pray now and uh, we'll go into the main service. Father God, we thank you for your grace and mercy and we thank you, Lord, for the working of your Holy Spirit in each of our lives. Father God, we pray for your, for your undertaking for the rest of the service. Be with um, uh, our preacher this morning. Father in heaven, undertake, Lord, uh, for him. Uh, that he might indeed uh, preach what you have laid upon his heart. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for your attention.